0: Little children of mine will one day live in a nation where they they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. You know, that speech reflected the dream of Martin Luther King, but it also sparked a revolution that granted freedoms to African-American people all over the country. Dreams are powerful Powerful forces. Dreams can shape the future. Your dreams can shape the future. So my question is to you today, are you a dreamer? Are you a dreamer? If so, there are certain qualities that should be included in and lived out For your dreams to be like God's dreams. For the dreams of God's people to be like the dreams of God himself. These things, these dreams, they can spark a revolution. Your dreams, they can produce a revival. These dreams of yours, they can inspire the spiritual awakening that our country so desperately needs today. Your dreams. Your dreams can change this church. Your dreams, friend, can change this world. And Paul discusses qualities of dreams of godly people in in Ephesians chapter 2. He's talking to believers here. And he says to these believers, I pray that my dream becomes your dream. And friend, I pray that Paul's dream becomes your dream for this church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and follow along with me in verse uh, 17. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. And he, now who do you think Paul's talking about when he said he? Jesus, that's right. And Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off. And those who were near. For through him, who do you think Paul's talking about when he said him? Jesus. Through Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. There's only one way to the Father. How do you get there? Through, say it loud, through Jesus. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, say the whole building, the whole building being fitted together grows. Say grows. The whole building grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I believe that Paul had dreams that we ought to include into our dreams. And one of those dreams is this. As I share three dreams with you this morning for Bethel Baptist Church, I want you to see these dreams that God has for God's people as well. The first dream that I have is I dream of every one of us becoming the people of God. I pray that every one of us here today become the people of God. Did you hear what Paul said in verse 19? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And you are members of the household of God. Wow, I want to become part of the people of God. So if that's the case, I need to know what they look like. There are several characteristics of God's people that I want to share with you. First of all, the church, which is the group of God's people, should be a spiritual family. The church should be a spiritual family. At times, I know it seems like the church is on its way out. When you look at our country, I know at times the world tries to tell you that the church is irrelevant. I know at times you think that there's no way out. That the church is going downhill. But let me tell you something. God sees us as his spiritual family. And we ain't going nowhere. We are God's family. Friend, I draw strength from that. I draw strength from the absolute fact that we are part of our heavenly father's family. And no one can snatch us out of God's hand. No one. While the world may see the church in ruins, God sees the church as a beautiful building founded on His Son, Jesus Christ. Has anyone here ever heard of a clinker brick? A clinker brick? Anybody? Well, good, that made me too. Uh, Clinker bricks are bricks that didn't quite make it. Clinker bricks are bricks that come out of the furnace for some reason or another out of shape and deformed. But I read about a Presbyterian church in New York that intentionally built their church building out of these deformed, misshapen clinker bricks. Apparently, that church family up in New York wanted to send a message to their community and so they built the church building out of imperfect, rejected, Bricks. What was their message? What was the message they were trying to send to their community? The message was that this church, this church family admits that they're all clinker bricks. This church family admits that they're all sinners. This church family admits that they're all imperfect people. They're full of foolishness. They're full of shortcomings. But through Christ Jesus, they have become living stones in God's church building. They have become part of God's family so that we are as well. You know, there's just nothing like family when everything's going good. Amen. I know families can be dysfunctional sometimes, but there ain't nothing like family when everything's peaceful. But being a family, there's a danger we must avoid. Being a spiritual family, there's a danger we have to avoid. A church must be a family, but we must not be a family church. There's a difference. You see, a church that is a family includes other people. Amen? A church family often excludes other people. We have to be careful. We want to be inclusive of everybody. Let us vow today before God as his spiritual family that we will include all people who desire to become part of the household of God. We want to be a spiritual family. A second characteristic of God's people is this. A family offers a safe place. In Proverbs 29, verse 25, the Bible tells us whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. I like that. You see, when the family of God meets in the house of God, we ought to feel safe. We ought to feel safe, not only from physical harm, but we ought to feel safe with one another to to share our hurts to share our pain, to share our sin, to share our difficulty, to share our trials, to share our victories, all without fear of being judged, all without fear of being criticized, all without fear of being frowned upon. We ought to be a spiritual family that feels safe with one another. I mean, think about this. If I can't tell you my pain, if I can't uh, draw strength from you in my times of trial, then who in this world can I talk to? I need you, and I pray you need me. So just this morning, just for a moment, I want to offer a safe place. A safe place, friend, where you can voice your deepest concern, knowing that you're not going to be frowned upon, that they ain't going to be somebody shaking their head at you that you can voice your deepest concern, whatever is trying you, whatever difficulties you may be going through, that you can voice some things to your family this morning. Fear not, for you are safe. I'll begin. And I want you to share whatever's on your heart. As the Holy Spirit leads, you share what's on your heart. But one of the things that really makes me struggle is that I know there are a lot of people who have walked to the narrow gate, but they haven't walked through the narrow gate. They've walked to Jesus, and they know who He is. They may have even professed faith in Him, but they're not walking their lives by faith in Him. Can I tell you, that really, really concerns me. And I pray that God will convict my heart to to encourage me to do something about it. Who else would have a concern this morning that you'd be willing to voice in this safe environment? A praise, a victory perhaps. A trial, a struggle you have perhaps. Amen. Amen. You know, we ha- a lot of our families we may not be willing to say it, but a lot of our families have those same things going on, and we do need prayer. Who else? Man, I'll I'll voice along with that. You know what? I have a heart for my dad. Lives in a place up in Maine that says, live and let live. I just can't adhere to that. I don't believe in that. You know, I think we ought to live like God wants us to live. So I pray for my dad, you know, that he'll come to the Lord Jesus. Who else this morning? Miss Fanny? Mm. Amen. Wow. Wow, a lot of our youth struggle with that, Miss Fanny. Miss Wanda? I wish we could get all get on the same page, so to speak. Don't you? That is, that is a burden. Who else this morning? You know, even in a safe environment like this, we can share unspoken requests, can't we? Can I tell you that I've got some things that I just don't really feel comfortable about sharing? Is there anyone else? Wow, see there? See there? This is a safe place for you to voice those concerns, okay? A spiritual family. Yes. Sometimes those burdens get awfully heavy, don't they, sis? Strength from on high. I pray for that, too. Amen. So we ought to become a spiritual family, but we ought to be a family that offers a safe place. There's another characteristic. We ought to be a family that offers a supportive place. There's probably no greater illustration in all the Bible of how the church family ought to support her leader than what we find in Exodus chapter 17. Just listen carefully and I'll share it. Now, Amalek fought with the people of God, Israel, in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek, for tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, Moses' brother-in-law, went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that the people of God prevailed. But when he let his hand down, Amalek, the enemy, prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. We ought to be a supportive church. I am so thankful that I am part of a supportive spiritual family. see, as a descendant of Esau, Amalek symbolized all the evil and corrupt things going on in the world. And we still live in that day of Esau, don't we? We still live in an evil and corrupt world. It's all those things that we inherited from Adam, a fallen world, fallen flesh, and even the enemy against us. And all those things are trying to drive a wedge between us and God. But God has placed a call on my life. Placed a call on my life to encourage you and to equip you in a way that you will be able to defeat your enemy. But can I tell you, sometimes leaders get weary. Just like Moses, who got weary, needed help in lifting up his arms. Friend, I need your help. I need your encouragement. I need your support. I need your prayer. I need your faithful service. And then I'll hold my hands up forever. Amen. As long as I got you. As long as I got the people of God, I can lead the people of God. They face the enemy, and those guys responded by supporting their leader. That's what you do. I want to encourage you to keep doing what you do. Support your leader. And then, when God's people join together in that spiritual family, they form that safe place, they form that supportive place. But they also provided a place to belong. Isn't it important to belong to the family of God? It's been many years since I played golf with any regularity. But I remember the last time I played, I played with my stepson, Michael who happens to uh, play for the UNA golf team. The boy is good, you hear me? And I ain't, amen? But I remember I hit my tee shot, whack, off in the trees. So I thought, but I lost sight of it. So after Michael teed off behind me, I headed straight for the trees. I figured that's where my ball was. Michael, of course, went straight down the fairway. And then I heard as I was off looking in the trees for my ball, I heard Michael say, here it is. My ball was in the last place I thought that it would be. I'm pretty sure I hid it in the trees, but there it was right in the middle of the fairway. I was searching for where my ball usually went, but I was surprised that it was where it belonged, right in the middle of the fairway. Christians belong here. Christians belong at church. You may not have to come to church to be saved, but let me tell you this. Are you listening? Say amen. If you're a true believer, you'll want to belong to the family of God. Amen. You'll want to belong in church. You'll want to be here. You'll want to get up on a rainy morning. You'll want to come serve. You'll want to come give your all to God. You'll want to come pray. You'll want to come praise. You'll want everything you've got to be given for the Lord Jesus. Why? Because you belong here. This is where you belong. I pray that we offer a place for our community where they can feel like they belong. I'm so glad that I belong here and I'm where I belong. Let's dream of becoming the family of God that makes a difference. There are some that ain't making much difference, amen? Let us be a family of God that makes a difference. Let me give you a second dream that I dream of for Bethel Baptist Church. I dream of us all following the process of Christ. Brother Bill, you've gone off the deep end. What are you talking about now? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we find the process of Christ, how he builds his church. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, say all, as every one of us, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by everyone to doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking in the truth in love, may grow up, there it is again, may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part, get this, does its share, causes growth for the whole body, for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. Yeah, I hope you heard there that first part of the process is we got leaders, and those leaders ought to be equippers. The second part is, is that all believers are to be individually growing to maturity. And thirdly, the entire church is to be actively serving God in some capacity. You're to be doing something for the Lord Jesus, not just believing in the Lord Jesus. I mean, consider this. There are many areas of life that follow a process. Consider the construction of a home. Amen? Some constructions take longer than others, but it doesn't matter. They follow the same process. First of all, there's dirt work. And then there's the foundation. Then there's the plumbing. Then there's the concrete. Then there's the framing. Then there's the roofing, etc., etc., etc. Until the house goes up. Alabama coach Nick Saban loves the term process. He's got a certain method for developing his players. He has a certain way of practicing. He's got certain team rules and all of those things and more go into his process. And his process has helped him to be very successful. Can I get a testimony to that? And I'm not even an Alabama fan. Well, Jesus shared a process too. He shared a process for developing disciples. In Matthew 4.19, he shared a three-step process for making disciples. See if you hear it. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I love it when Jesus makes it simple. Amen? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. That means i got to have a personal experience. There's nothing better than a personal experience with following the Lord Jesus. Second, I will make you. That means there's a progressive development. Jesus is at work in my life. He is making me into something that I wasn't. Follow me. I will make you, he said, fishers of men. You see, Jesus wasn't satisfied with us just coming to church. He wasn't just satisfied with us professing faith in Him. He wasn't even satisfied with us just belonging to Him. He wanted us to be productive. He wanted us to make more of ourselves, make more disciples. And that process is real simple, friends. Every disciple should be making more disciples. And you can use three key words to do that too. Knowing Christ. Growing in Christ, going for Christ. Did you hear that? It's real simple. It's real easy. The question is, where are you in this process? Where are you in this process of developing more disciples? Do you know Him, first of all? Are you growing in Him, second of all? Are you going for Him, third of all? Friend, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the true Christian will know, grow, and go. Say that with me. Know, grow, and go. You got it. All right, let's pray. I'm I'm only kidding. Don't get excited. Know, grow, and go. It's just that simple. The question is, where are you in that process? I dream of becoming the people of God following this process of Christ. But I got a third dream for you. A third dream for Bethel Baptist Church, and that is, I dream of fulfilling the purposes of God. The purposes of God. The purposes of the church is stated in Ephesians 2.21, where the Bible says, in whom the whole building, not just this side, not just this side, not just the seniors, not just the kids, not just the leaders, but the whole building... The whole building, the whole body of Christ grows into a holy temple of the Lord. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to every generation. To Him be the glory. You see, friend, listen to me. God's purpose is bigger than people. We hear an example of that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what Paul was saying to to Timothy. He said, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that the message might be fully preached through me that all the Gentiles might hear. But no one stood with me and everybody forsook me. I mean, all these believers were leaving Paul. They were all abandoning Paul, turning their back on Paul. But did it stop him from fulfilling the purposes of God in his life? No, sir. Why? God's purposes are bigger than people. Amen? But God's purpose is also bigger than a place. In Jeremiah chapter 29, the Bible says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Why? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and give you a hope. God's purpose is bigger than a place. God's people were in Babylon. They were in the enemy's territory. Can I tell you today, you are living in the world. You are living in the enemy's territory. But God's purpose is bigger than a place. God's purpose is bigger than a place. It seemed like their situation was pert near hopeless. But God's purpose was bigger than that place. God's purpose is also bigger than any difficulties you might have. The greatest example of this is found in the life of Jesus. Here it is, Jesus asking the Father, Father, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was facing the cross. He went through difficulties that led all the way to the cross, but Jesus never lost sight of his God given purpose. Child of God, what is your God given purpose? Do you know what it is? If not, you need to find it. When God looks for success, he does not look at the size of a church. He does not look at the difficulties of its people. He does not look at the place where the church is located or even the people in the church. God looks to see if his purposes for the church are being accomplished. Can we answer that question positively? Well, what are the purposes of God? What are the purposes of God? Well, I said it earlier. The whole building he fitted together grows together to become the temple of the Lord. All to him be the glory. So what does a pastor dream about? What does a pastor dream about? I dream about us. I dream about us being the people of God. I dream about us following the process of Christ. And I dream about us Fulfilling the purposes of God. That's what I dream about. The whole building. The whole building being fitted together. Growing to be the holy temple of the Lord. If I were to stretch out this. I'm missing a link. There it is. If I were to stretch out this chain from pew to pew, let's we'll go on the lower level, brother. If I were to stretch out, and that's, that's this chain's job, is to stretch from pew to pew. And there's one link missing. Look what happens. The chain no longer fulfills its purpose. My question to you this morning is are you the missing link? Are you the missing link? God's been looking for you. He wants the whole building to be fitted together to become the holy temple of the Lord. Only you can answer that question. Are you that missing link? Many of you already know what your function is. Many of you are already doing what you've been called to do. You already do your function. But there may be some wondering, what is my function at Bethel Baptist Church? What is my function? And I love how the New Living Translation of the Bible says James 1:5 it says it in the way that I think. If any of you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. Ask him. And he'll gladly tell you, and he will not resent you asking. You want wisdom? You want to know what God wants you to do? Ask him. Ask him, and he will answer. Is God wanting me to become a person of Christ, a person of God? Is God wanting me to follow the process that Jesus, his son, set forth for me to follow? Is God wanting me to fulfill his purposes in the church? Does God want me to stop following at a distance and close the gap, draw close to him, and get linked back into the church? Whatever your concern is this morning no matter where you are in your spiritual walk. If you feel you need to be closer to God, you come. If you feel like you need to become a person of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you come during this song. If you want to be an active part of fulfilling God's purposes for this church, you come. Whatever your concern is, you come, faithfully knowing that God will hear you. And won't resent you asking. Let us pray.